Aren't you glad you came to church today? Aren't you glad you joined us online? Uh, Michael, you and your team just did a phenomenal job. Uh, Russ, Cheryl, Kelly, thanks for joining. Uh, David and uh, Chris, we just were blessed by your leadership in worship today, and uh, it was a joy. Yes, let's thank them. I want to open our time today with a story. I don't think I've told it at Linwood before. I know I've told it before. Um, I don't think I've told it here. I, I looked back through my notes and didn't see any evidence that I had, uh, but it's one of my favorite stories of uh, the people of God putting the love of God into action. And so if I have, uh, my apologies, if, I, if you stick around long enough, you'll probably hear it again. Um, it's just that good. It uh, took place about 10 years ago. Um, it was in the spring of, of 2010, I believe. And so Keaton was about five years old. Um, Ryan was about three years old. Maybe it was a year before that. Maybe they were four and two, but they were young and we didn't have Owen and Carson yet. And um, we went on a, on a little adventure. It was one of those first like really spring days, you know, like there'd been a fall spring and then more winter. And, and then it was like spring had really settled in and gotten its teeth in. Um, and it was, it was uh, an adventure where we went someplace we'd never been before. Um, the lady that cuts my hair had just mentioned that they loved going to Labonte Canyon, which is kind of south of I-25 between uh, Casper, Wyoming, and Douglas, Wyoming, and it's off the beaten path quite a ways. Um, if you've ever stopped there, Natural Bridges area, um, I see some heads nodding. There's Natural Bridges, and you can play around. We'd done that before, but we had never gone on down to Labonte Canyon, so we packed a picnic. We put all the kids in the car, and we headed out, and um, and we found the this place, this Labonte Canyon, and immediately we knew why uh, Joni loved it so much. It was just absolutely beautiful. It was springtime. All the butterflies had just hatched, so there were literally butterflies everywhere. Like, there were parts of it where they were so thick we wanted to slow down so that we didn't end up hitting a butterfly or running one over. There were that many. And we finally get to our spot. We have a little picnic we had a little hike. The boys threw rocks in the water. And if you know anything about little boys, like, that's a good day when you find water and rocks next to each other and they can throw rocks into the water. So we did that for a while and uh, just had a wonderful, wonderful time. In fact, one of the, my favorite pictures of me and the two older boys uh, was taken on this day in Labonte Canyon. And just the look of happiness and contentment and peace um, kind of gives you some insight into how good a day we were having. And uh, it was mid-afternoon. We decided to put the kids back in the, in the van and we started our way home. And about, about the time we got out of the mouth of the canyon, um, the van stopped moving forward. Uh, the engine was still running, and it didn't matter how hard I pushed on the gas, the van didn't move forward. Something was wrong with the transmission. Um, I'm not very handy when it comes to cars. I know how to turn them on, and I know how to drive them, and I know about the signals, you know, and some of those things. But much beyond that, especially at this point in time, I was lost. Um, so, you know, we stop, we pull over on this dirt road, get out the cell phone to call a tow truck, no cell service. Um, we're far enough off the beaten path that, uh, and we're down kind of still in a little bit of a canyon. So I thought, well, maybe if I, I hike up to the top of this hill, I'll get some service. So I get up there and I, I had about half a bar, half of the time. So I tried to get a call out uh, to a tow place in Douglas. 
never really got the full conversation. It would drop the call, and, and so I'm like, I don't think anybody's coming, and we're not quite sure what we're going to do, and we're trying to decide, am I going to go for a longer walk to get to cell service or, you know, what? And along about this time, uh, people on horses come around the view, and we can see them in our rearview mirror, and I look, and now there's cows coming. So as far as the boys are concerned, this is awesome. They get to be part of a cattle drive. And uh, the, the horses come up, and they see us, and we roll down the window to get, you know, get out and talk to them and say, do you guys have any better cell service? They're like, well, no, but we got radios, and so we can radio some people that are closer, you know, further north, closer to the interstate. We get this whole thing kind of patched through, and we wait. And we wait. And we wait long enough that we're wondering if we're actually going to get a tow truck. You know, everybody's come through. We're like, okay, now what do we do? And uh, lo and behold, here comes the tow truck. And it came the opposite way we were expecting. They'd gotten the directions mixed up. but So they took the long road um, all the way down through, and, and they found us. And so we get everything now the boys are excited because they get to see the tow truck pull the van up onto its bed and they get to ride in the back of the big rig on this tow truck and and they're excited about all of that and we're making our way home i am not as excited as the boys are i'm i'm doing the math i'm thinking i know we have uh we have emergency roadside coverage but i'm sure there's a limit on it somewhere and this is like an hour and a half from douglas down to where we are it'll be an hour and a half from where we are to casper and then they're probably going to have to charge back mileage and so i'm just like we got 200 miles in a tow truck and i'm sure they charge by the mile and i'm sure we're going to exceed our limit here so i'm doing that and then i'm thinking who knows how much the repair is going to cost um well we finally get home and uh, they drop the van off at the at the transmission shop and um they're taking us over and you know we've been visiting the whole time um and once we finally get situated and everything and i come out and give him our insurance information he said now uh, i've talked to my boss um your your coverage is for 250 dollars. it's it's over 600 dollars for this tow uh, but he wants to write off the difference he, i mentioned that you're a pastor and you're just this wonderful young family and so he's he's a believer he just wants to write off the the difference on that tow for you as a blessing to and we're just overwhelmed and we think my goodness this is this is amazing who does this um, and then the next morning you know we call the the transmission shop and uh, visit with them and uh, tell them you know the story and hey we're not sure what we're going to do. We don't think we have the money to make this repair. If you could look at us, give us an estimate. Um, we would, you know, we'll make a decision. Maybe we got to wait for a part or you can get something from a salvage yard, whatever. Um, in the meantime, some friends of ours in our church heard about our situation and they, they knew we were down to one vehicle, which was not the best situation with, you know, me going to work and everything. And they're like, here, just take our Infiniti QX80, which is like the big Infiniti, uh, really, really nice SUV, leather everything. You know, like, there were features in this that we had never even heard or thought that that would be a feature in a vehicle. And so we get pretty comfortable in that thing. And they're like, take it, keep it as long as you want. We've got other vehicles. This way you'll have plenty of space. So two weeks go by and we're like, we never heard anything from that transmission shop. We'd probably better call them and find out what's going on. We knew they were busy, but we didn't expect it to two, take two weeks just to look at it. So I call them on Monday morning, and uh, she's like, oh, yeah, you're on the list to, to give you a call today. You're, it's ready for you. And my heart sinks because I'm like, you never called. I made it as clear as possible that you needed to call us before you do the work, you know. And she's like, oh, that's the best part. Somebody called on Tuesday, and they took care of your bill. And I was like, what? what are you talking about? I said, they, they took care of your bill. 
Like the whole bill or, yeah, everything. It's, it's all taken care of. There was only one condition. I was like, well, what's the condition? I said, we can't tell you who it is. I said, well, how am I supposed to thank them? And then she smiled, or she laughed, and she said, well, they figured you would ask that. So they said you could bring a card when you come to pick it up, and, and, and we'll mail it to them for you. And so I came to pick that van up, and we never forgot. Like, every single time we got in that van, we were grateful to have it, you know. And it was no longer our old used Ford van. It was, like, God's gift to us, a blessing to us. And uh, the thing that made it so powerful is it could have been anybody. It wasn't just like we knew who to thank. It could have been anybody in our church. It could have been anybody in our community. It could have been a group of people that got together and, and pulled their money together. And, and we were blessed by the, the tow company. And we were blessed by the people that loaned us a vehicle. And, and then we were blessed by that. And it, it just became this powerful, powerful example in our lives of what happens when God's people put God's love into action. And that's what we're talking about in our scripture uh, passage today from Romans chapter 12. Kind of bring that story full circle. Four years later, we finally replaced that vehicle. And when we did, we gave it to a family that had five kids and didn't have a vehicle with enough seatbelts for them. They kept getting pulled over because somebody wasn't in a seatbelt. And and so we gave that van away and blessed them. They used it for another three years. I mean, it was on borrowed time by the time it had its transmission fixed, and it made it another seven years and blessed uh, two families immensely. So we're in a series on Romans chapter 12, and the series has four parts, believe, belong, become, and be holy. And they all have the play on the word be, uh, but also this idea that 2020 has kind of been a plan B year, hasn't it? Like very, very few things from about the middle of March on, have happened exactly the way you would have planned for them to happen. Am I right? There have been a lot of plan Bs. You probably did plan B for Easter, and and maybe you're already thinking about plan B for Christmas, and there have been a dozen different plan Bs uh, between now and then. But we're also looking at the idea that Jesus has a plan A for your life, and his plan A for your life is that you would be certain things, that you would believe, that you would belong, that you would become, and that you would be holy. And so that's been our orientation for the last couple of weeks. And this ties really beautifully with the mission statement here at Linwood to, uh, to, to reach people for Christ. That's to help them believe, to give them a place to belong, obviously, is to, to be the belong component, to help them grow in their faith is the become component, and to be holy and set apart, to, to set our lives apart for God's work in us and through us. So in week one, we talked about believing. We looked at the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 12, and this idea that saving belief is transforming belief, that the belief that saves us is the belief that transforms us. And so when Paul says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that the belief that we have, the faith that we put in God changes us. It it brings about a change, a transformation in our lives. And then That's part of God's plan A for your life, is that you would believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then week two, we looked at this idea of belonging, and part of God's plan A for your life is that you would belong to a body of believers. So as people believe in Jesus Christ and they congregate around those beliefs, they serve God and they serve each other and they serve the world around them in His name. And so the more we belong together, the more we'll become together. The more we belong together and and find our place in the body of Christ and and serve Him open-handedly and open-heartedly, the more we collectively and individually become 
together. And so that really sets us up beautifully for today because God's plan A for your life also includes you becoming like his son Jesus. You becoming everything that he intended for you to be. And he has a desire for you to become more like Jesus. And the more we become like Jesus together, the more we belong together because I'm getting closer to Jesus and you're getting closer to Jesus. We're getting closer together. And the more we do that, the more people will be reached for Christ and find a place to belong and find a place to grow. And and the cycle continues itself. So I want to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 16. I'm going to read these. These verses move very, very quickly. They're short statements, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I'll point out a couple of times where we saw this happen in our own lives in that story in particular. Uh, It starts right out, love must be sincere. There was a sincere love that was involved in the blessings that we received. There was no boomerang that was thrown. People just gave generously and loved us open-handedly. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Verse 12 is one of my favorites in all of Scripture. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And I can tell you that that experience that we had with the people blessing us with the transmission repair and the tow and the vehicle that they loaned us has given us a confidence in God that could not be shaken. Like we have been confident in, in times when our confidence was shaken. We've been faithful in prayer. We have been joyful in hope. We have been patient in affliction. And it's caused us to share with God's people in verse 13. They shared with us, so we've shared with God's people who are in need. We've practiced hospitality in new ways as a result of that, and that love has has continued to, to move out away from us as other people's lives have been touched. He continues, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And, and so in those eight verses, we find some, a very intensely practical section of Scripture. And I wrote in my journal, just do it. <laughs> just do it. You might be familiar with that slogan from, from Nike, just do it. Like, if we would just do these things, all of us, can you imagine? Can you imagine what all your relationships would be like if both people in the relationship did all of these things? In these eight verses, there's only 116 words, but there's 19 different commands. There's 19 different imperatives. And if we would just do those 19 things, can you imagine how much different your marriage would be? How much different your relationships with your children, your immediate family might be? Maybe you already do all these and you check every single box on all 19 and you just live in wedded bliss. And, but every now and then things get a little sticky. And usually it's because we forget. We forget to do the things that he said to do and to do them the way that he said to do them. And imagine a world, like imagine a society, a civilization, like where every single person did all of these all the time. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in that society, I think that would be heaven on earth. I think that's what we have to look forward to. You see, Jesus taught us to pray. He said, pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this is what it looks like in heaven. I think if you read the gospels, you see Jesus doing every single one of these things all the time. This is a description of Jesus and how he lived his life in these eight verses. And so 
naturally, as disciples of Jesus, we should be seeing these qualities more and more consistently in our own lives. Like, we should be able to say, you know, I, I used to really struggle with this one, whatever one it might be, the hating what's evil. You know, I used to kind of dabble with it. I used to, eh, it's okay, it's not that big a deal, it's just, it's just a little evil. Or honoring one another above ourselves. That's essentially humility. It's putting other people ahead of yourself. You might say, well, there was a time when I didn't do that very well. But thanks to God and to his word, transforming my heart and renewing my mind, I now do that better. And, and so we should be able to see that because each one of these becomes a tangible expression of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about this in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so it would be a fun little exercise, if you're looking for a fun little exercise for Sunday afternoon, to write out the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22, and write out all the different commands in Romans 12, verses 9 through 16, and then link them up to each other. Because you see, there's examples of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness all throughout Romans 12, all throughout these seven or eight verses in particular. And if you were to do that and then set your mind to, to becoming more like Jesus in those regards, that would be transformational in your life. And so I, I wrote, you know, do you want to be more like Jesus? If the answer is yes, and I hope that it is, then you're going to have to know what he did and you're going to have to do what he did. You're going to have to know what he did. That's where you read your Bible, you pray, you engage Scripture on a regular basis, and then you do what He did. And you ask the Holy Spirit to change your heart. And you don't just say, well, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. No, that's who you were. This is who you are to be. Jesus is the example for us. And, and the things that we say, that's just who I am, that's just the way I am, that doesn't, that doesn't really hold up to what Paul is saying here and to what Scripture is saying, to what Jesus is saying, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, says that's just who I was. Thank God this is who I am becoming. And that's what we're talking about today is becoming, becoming. It's been interesting to go through the Banding Together journal the last couple of weeks as we've been preaching on this subject and then we get into the Gospel of John and I've seen one connection after another after another with what we're talking about in our sermon series here in Romans chapter 12 and what we're reading about in the Gospel of John. And if you're just hearing about this for the first time, we've been talking about these all year, but maybe you're new or maybe you missed that week. These banding together journals are available here. We ask for a $5 donation, but don't let that hold you up. You get this and you have a daily reading plan. You read a chapter or two a day of God's Word and then you pray about it. And you say, God, what do you want me to see in your Word today? And you start by writing out one or two or three verses, a little passage of Scripture, and some observations on that, and some applications about what would be different in your life if you lived this out, and then you close with a prayer. And so that's your daily soap journal, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And then about once a week, we're encouraging you to get together with a group of other people that are doing the same thing and compare notes. Well, what did you hear? Well, what did God say to you about that? Or what did... what what? Did he lay on your heart? And you share that and you hold each other accountable to the areas that God is asking you to grow. This is called discipleship. And you do that long enough and your group grows big enough, then you split and you have two groups and then you have four groups and then you have eight groups and then you have 16 groups and you're making disciples who make disciples and suddenly the Great Commission is happening right in our midst because we chose to read the Bible and pray about it and get together and talk about it. Those three steps. It's amazing. And so if you're not doing that, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to do that because I've seen one parallel after another and how God's Word is fitting together. And I wrote about this in the, the Friday uh, 
update, the devotional there was about when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it occurred to me that bread doesn't do you much good if you don't take it in. It actually makes it worse, right? Have you ever had a, walked into a house where freshly baked bread was sitting on the counter? It's hard to think about anything else other than eating that bread. But it, it, it makes the hunger worse if you don't actually take it in, if you're just around it. In fact, yesterday, Heather decided to make a, a cinnamon bread. She made her bread, and she rolled up cinnamon and brown sugar in the middle of it and baked it, and it smelled absolutely phenomenal. And I'm texting her like, how long do we have to wait? Because I knew it was out, and I knew I'd be in trouble if I cut into it right away. And so I let it wait a little while and get a text back, 30 minutes. So I'm like, okay, 30 minutes from now or 30 minutes from when you took it out? So I write her back right away. Well, no answer, no answer, no answer. I'm about to go downstairs, and she writes, oh, yeah, 30 minutes from when I took it out. You're good to go. And I'm like, whew, thank God. And I went and I made a piece and I slathered it up with butter and it was incredible. But it made me wonder when I read that how often we get close enough to Jesus to have our appetite whetted, to have the hunger stirred up, but we don't actually take him in. You know, the Bible just sits on our bedside table or it sits by our armchair and we don't actually take it in. Or we get together and we start talking, but we don't really get into the meat of it. And we don't really invite accountability. We just kind of dance around the issue. Or how often we we come in and, and we get just enough of Jesus to whet our appetite, but we go out and we look for something else. And that's that's not his desire for us. His desire is that we would take him into our lives daily that we would spend time in his word daily, that we would engage in scripture daily, that we would spend time in fellowship regularly, that we would make disciples who make disciples, and we would start with ourselves. We would make ourselves a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, and then make others disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And so when I read John 8 earlier this week, it just leapt off the page again. And so I want to close with that scripture, John 8, 31 through 36, where Jesus talks about freedom. I think one of... Jesus' plan A for your life is that you would be free, that you would have freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from selfishness and pride and from anger, and that we'd have freedom to, freedom to live lives of love and hope and courage, freedoms to be generous, freedom to follow him unreservedly. And so he says in John eight thirty one. It's interesting how this starts out. It says, to the Jews who had believed him. So these are not people who are hostile to him. These are people that have at least started to believe his teaching. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. That's a big if, isn't it? If you hold to my teaching, if you do what I have taught you to do and follow the example that I have set, then you are really my disciples. And then the verse that you've heard quoted so many times, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that scripture has been misquoted so many times, and we forget that 31 comes before 32. We forget, they say, if you hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's talking about obedience, and there's really no substitute for obedience. There's no substitute for Bible reading and prayer and fellowship. 
Have you ever seen somebody lose a lot of weight and you're like, how'd you do it? And you're hoping that they're going to tell you some cheap pill that you can take and you'll lose a lot of weight and keep it off and everything will be wonderful. And they say, well, you know, I changed my diet. I ate better. I exercised more and I lost the weight gradually over time. You're like, doggone it. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear something easier. I wanted to hear something other than diet and exercise, something other than what's going to take a long time in order to to see it. And as a pastor, I can tell you over and over when I've seen somebody's life transformed and I ask them, tell me what happened. Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, discipleship, they're always involved in the equation. They are the diet and exercise of spiritual growth and spiritual transformation that come when we put our lives in the Word and we put the Word into our lives. There's no substitute for obedience. But Jesus says the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from the controlling power of sin. It will change your identity from from one who is not a child of God into one who is a child of God. And he makes this a little more clear in the verses to come. But his desire for you is freedom. His desire for you is freedom from the controlling power of sin. And so he says, then as you follow my teaching, as you become my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so our bottom line today is that freedom follows obedience. Freedom follows obedience. If you're not free in some area of your life, then there's probably an area in God's Word where you need greater obedience. Freedom follows obedience. He wants us to know the truth, and the more we know the truth, the more we'll know freedom. Truth has a name. Truth's name is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way to the Father. I'm the truth of the Father. And I am the life of the Father lived among you. You have a perfect example of how to do it now. And so they answer because they're, they're not getting it. They answer him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. What's he saying? He's talking about habitual sin. He's talking about sinning over and over and over again. Being a slave to that sin, incapable of getting over that sin, getting past that sin. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is good news. If the son sets you free from the life and identity of sin and welcomes you into the family of God, into the identity of a child of God, then you are free indeed. You have the rights of a child of God. You have an inheritance to look forward to. You're not just a slave. You're adopted as sons and brought in. Adopted out of slavery to sin into freedom in the family of God. And this is what Paul's talking about in Romans 12. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed any longer to an identity that says that you are a sinner. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by taking on a new identity, by embracing your identity as a child of God. It's what Jesus was talking about in John 10.10 when he said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I have come that you may have a rich and satisfying life in one translation. 
which points back to John 1.12, where he says, Anyone, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's believe, belong in the family of God, become children of God. And just this morning, John 12, he talks about walking in the light. Walk in the light that you may become children of light, that you may become part of the family of God, the family of light. He said, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light. And so as we have our mind renewed, then what does Paul say in Romans 12 too? That we would be able to test and approve his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Testing and approving his will, that's obedience. That's saying, okay, it says to do this. I'm going to actually do that and see how it goes. That's testing his will. And when we test his will, we prove that it's good, that it's right. And guess what else? It's pleasing. The enemy wants to fool us into believing that it's going to be no fun whatsoever. Like following Jesus is a fun-free zone. And that's just not true. It's a, it's a joy-filled zone. It's, a, it's where you're not slaves to the sin. You're free to follow Christ. You're free to live in the way that he wants you to live. Freedom follows obedience. And the more we obey, the more freedom we experience. The enemy wants you to think that all the rules, all the regulations, all the restrictions are there to keep you from freedom. They're to, you know, restrict you. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You find more freedom within them because now you're not a slave to sin. You're, you're free from sin. You're free to live a life of love. And so my question as we bring this to a close is, when was the last time you took a step forward in obedience? When was the last time you took a step forward in some area of following Christ? And you point to that and you say, that was the last time. If it was more than a couple of days ago, I would encourage you to take another step to get out this passage of Scripture and to go through it as like an act of prayer and to ask God, is my love sincere? Do I really hate what's evil? Am I clinging to what's good? Am I devoted to the people in my church and to other believers in brotherly love? Do I really honor people above myself like everywhere? Like in my, ham- in my family and where I work? Do I honor others above myself? Am I ever lacking in zeal? That one kind of zapped me. I was like, every now and then my zeal gets a little low. I'm lacking in zeal. How can I work on that? How can I take a step there? I think my spiritual fervor is pretty good, serving the Lord. Am I joyful in hope? Am I patient in affliction? You get the point. Ask yourself some questions. Ask the Spirit some questions and see what He underlines. See what He brings to your attention. Ask him to show you where you could grow. And then do what he says. (laughs) It really is that simple. Do what he says. Call somebody up. Or if if you're in a group, share it with your group. Say, I really felt like God was leading me to take a step of obedience in this regard. Would you keep me accountable? Would you pray for me? And would you follow up with me on that? This is how transformation takes place. This is how we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is how we become more like Jesus become more like every like who he wants us to be would you pray with me heavenly father we are thankful for your word we are thankful for your presence in our lives we are thankful for the opportunity to come together to worship you to learn to grow we ask your holy spirit 
to lead us, to show us where you want us to go, what you want us to do, how you want us to do it. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a hunger and a thirst to become more like you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.